Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. I'm happy to be speaking with Shibley Kando, who is a gift shop owner in the Holy Land that I met while I was on pilgrimage there last October. And today I'd like to speak with him a little bit about pilgrimage right now in the Holy Land, what that looks like, and what the effect has been on the local community there in Palestine and Israel, in these different places where Jesus lives lived and walked the earth. So welcome to How They Love Mary, Shibley Kando. Thank you, Father. Well, Shibley, maybe first off, can you just maybe share a little about who you are, where you come from, and what you do? Uh, first of all, blessings to all our brothers and sisters from the Holy Land, especially from Bethlehem. My name is Shibley Kando. Uh, I born uh, in Bethlehem, uh, grew in Bethlehem in the Holy Land, a uh, my background, let me give you a little bit uh, about it. Uh, I belong to the Kando family, and the Kando family is quite a historic family because of the big role that my grandfather uh, played with uh, in the discovery uh, of the Dead Sea Scrolls of Qumran. And you know, Dead Sea Scrolls of Qumran is one of the most important excavation that took place in the 19th century up to now. So he... Uh, played a big role in this excavation and this discovery, so he's my grandfather. And uh, he is the first one who opened what we call it right now, a gift shop or a souvenir shop in the history of this country. And uh, all his intention was to help his brothers and sisters, the Christians who lives in Bethlehem and in Jerusalem at then. And uh, we to continue this legacy, we continue that by opening our shop, which is called, which you have been in, Father, called the Candle Store. So uh, most of my life, I lived it in Bethlehem, in spite of the traveling here and there and my education. But I grew up in this city where our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was born. Now, people, when they go on pilgrimage, and I went on pilgrimage with select international tours, and so they kind of mm -hmm. partner with you, and you also have mm -hmm. a little ministry there where you mm -hmm. help the Christians in Bethlehem. And uh, Absolutely. Can you just maybe talk a little bit about Bethlehem being in Palestine and then Jerusalem being in Israel and the big wall that is there and just uh, what, what that's like, I guess, living like that? Well, I... Uh... You know, uh, in this country, you know, since a uh, long time ago, since my great-grandfather and even way before, it's been passing through uh, a lot of turmoils of unrest that been taking place over here because of the, geographically, the location of the uh, Holy Land and uh, also politically and religiously. So basically, it's all connected with each other. But uh, usually Bethlehem and Jerusalem were considered as one city, as one district. But politically, unfortunately, they, we've been split from each other with the wall that you saw it, uh, which comes in front of the store, in front of the candle store, Father. So we split them from each other. So Bethlehem now in the Palestinian territories and Jerusalem in the Israeli territories and split between them this big wall, which it really uh, affects uh, business in general, especially pilgrimages, tourism, and affect the people by splitting the families from even from each other, that uh, there will be a lot of hardships for them to be visiting each other. So whoever wants to leave to Israel, they have to get special permission to make them enter Israel, which enter Jerusalem, 
and also it's a not uh, you know as regulations and rules not uh, the whole people of Israel they're allowed to enter uh, the Palestinian territories or Bethlehem so basically uh, this kind of separation and the, the political situation it really uh, affect negatively the presence of the Christians in both ways in both places now, I was a pilgrim to the Holy Land. I've been there two different times, two different occasions, and people have gone on pilgrimage to the Holy Land for centuries. There's an account of a lady named Egeria who wrote a detailed account in the early or in the late 300s about her own pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Mm-hmm. We know that St. Francis went to the Holy Land, that there are so many mm-hmm. of these different saints and all people who have gone on pilgrimage to this place where Jesus walked to this earth, where he ministered, and ultimately where he died on the cross and rose from the dead, Mm -hmm. and they see all of these places that are important Mm -hmm. to the life of Jesus. In the middle Mm -hmm. of this global uh, health pandemic, what is the Mm -hmm. state of pilgrimages today? Are people still coming to the Holy Land? What's it like right now, a place that so many people have been coming for, for years and now mm-hmm. I'm sure it's kind of desolate. It's probably even like a ghost town. What's that? What's it like right now where you're at? Uh, well, as you know, Father, that uh, as I agree with you that a lot of saints been coming over here as pilgrims, you know, since uh, their early Christianity period. And uh, in the early Christianity period, the first pilgrim uh, known in history uh, was uh, Saint Helena herself. When she came and looked up the uh, birthplace and the uh, crucifixion and the resurrection place, uh, uh, regarding the global health pandemic and the effect of it, of the the, the negative effect that been uh, uh, affecting actually the pilgrimage industry in general and specifically here in the Holy Land, uh, you know, it all started over here because of a pilgrimage group that came from Greece. Few of them were carrying the, uh, the virus itself. And uh, of course, they, uh, the first who's been infected was the guide and the driver, then the, hot- the hotel employees where they were staying in. And uh, they were staying in a hotel in Bethlehem over here. And uh, Bethlehem and the uh, Palestinian Authority were the first who locked down the uh, city of Bethlehem and who shut it down completely uh, because of that and uh, we went uh, in the 30 days of quarantine then after that when the the, um, uh, virus itself being spread more widely in Israel the Israeli government they followed the footsteps so since then actually we've been quarantined and the first very tough quarantine was in the first like 60 days then after that, they start releasing it a little bit slowly and slowly. But pilgrimage-wise, since March, it, pilgrimages and travel completely been frozen, completely been shut down. Uh, even for, like, for example, the airport, it never been, it never shut down to give and to allow the locals who've been outside to come back home, or whoever want to come. Israel, for any certain reason, a, they have to go, for the non-Israelis, they have to go in 14 days quarantine and they have to pay it out of pocket. 
So basically, nobody will think of coming, you know, in pilgrimage, pilgrimage or even visiting the Holy Land in such rules or in condition like conditions like this. And uh, actually, uh, the reason behind it that uh, they shut it down it's for the uh, good of the uh, country itself, so they can locate and they can um, um, eliminate the virus itself from being spreading more and more. And the people actually being so disciplined with that, and uh, because also, government-wise, there is no personal freedom with them when it comes to the safety of the community and the country. No personal freedom. So everybody should be committed with the rules, which it is to, putting, to be wearing the masks and the social distancing. So, so far till now, you know, uh, things are not completely opened. Things are under very strict regulations and rules. So pilgrimage-wise is the first sector which has been infected negatively. And till now, it's basically, Father, it's below zero even, not zero. Yeah, I know. I remember seeing an article about uh, the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem really shut, um, they shuttered their doors in a sense, not letting people in. And of course, this pandemic happened uh, during Holy Week and during Easter. And what a sad occasion that pilgrims weren't able to visit the tomb of Jesus, uh, which Absolutely. is the very center of this Easter mystery. Now, Absolutely. Now, one of the things about pilgrimages and the Christians, you know, from the United States, from all over the world, when they come to mm -hmm. stores like Kando uh, in the Holy mm -hmm. Land, is that you make items from olive wood. And this olive wood is mm -hmm. a way that we support mm -hmm. the Christians there, that a lot of the Christians work in these factories and it provides for their livelihood. So I'm assuming that because we're not going there, we're not buying things, that this is having a devastating effect on the local Christians as well then and their livelihood. Would that be right? Absolutely, Father. 100% right. You know, the Christians uh, in the Holy Land in general, uh, specifically in Bethlehem, their livelihood depends if not 100%, 90% on tourism and on pilgrimages. Because some, uh, they, you have been in the Holy Land, you have been to the candle store, and the candle store actually it's considered one of the biggest cooperatives and uh, i'm not exaggerating father when i say that over between 80 to 100 families they live from this place because everything displayed in the candle store is being made and brought by the christians of the holy land so whenever anyone buys something from the candle store it's he's not just supporting me personally or my family there are a lot of christian families who depends on the candle store to provide to them and those Christian families, Christian workshops, Christian uh, uh, companies, uh, which they do things as Hollywood carvings, rosaries, silver work, jewelry works, everything. They are not just by themselves. Also, they have a lot of employees, which they are all Christians too, which, which it means that uh, this something like this, it's like the rosary bead, if you want to call it, Father, that all connected with each other. So basically, whoever come, like what you did with the group, you know, and came to the candle store, basically, whatever they purchase from the candle store, they're supporting those Christian family. So with the lack of tourism, the lack of pilgrimages, and how it's been affected so negatively, it, the situation of the Christians are very, 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 very bad, Father, and it's a disaster for them. And there are a lot of Christian families 
which we know about them, that they cannot provide for their families the basics, which is the food right now. And we do try to keep, try to help them as much as possible through the ministry, which you know about it, which called Select to Give, which being derived from Select International Tours, this foundation, as in the beginning of the pandemic and before Easter, and even so right now, try to provide for them with our limited sources as much as we can to be helping those Christian families to provide for their families, to give them at least the basics, which it is the food. Because right now, what the least thing they will care about is the bills or any kind of other expenses, which I know right now, within a week or two weeks, the schools will be open. And even Select to Give Foundation is covering few children, a lot of children actually, between Nazareth and Bethlehem in the Christian schools. But now most important for the families and for the head of the family is to cover the basic expense for his family, to provide for his family, which at least minimum the food. And believe me, Father, there are a lot of families which they have hardships in covering this. For sure. And so people can help by supporting Select to Give. We'll post a link to that in the show notes. And just uh, to reach out and to help the people in the Holy Land, that's something that we uh, can do. And uh, to really enable the practice of the Christians there who uh, really have lived their entire lives in this very special place where Jesus lived. And maybe that's that's my next question here. And uh you know, I know people that have lived in Lourdes, France, for example, this place where Mary appeared. And, you know, it really touches their heart and their soul. I live just 20 minutes from Marian apparition site, and I go there quite a bit. And again, I know locals that go there, and it's really made an impression on them. It's changed their life. It's marked them in a very special way. And I guess I'm wondering, how is it for you living in this land of Jesus' birth? You live in O little town of Bethlehem. And... Mm-hmm. How has that made an impression upon you and how you live your life? Oh, uh, actually, uh, you know, Father, I'm not a theologian as yourself <laughs> and try to, ex- to explain it in a theological way. You don't have but to, uh, theologically, just personal level. As a personal level, you know, uh, you know it's, it's hard it's to express it in the right way, but I feel so blessed. I feel so blessed when I woke up every morning and from the balcony of my apartment when I'm looking uh, and seeing in front of me the Church of Nativity, where Jesus was born. Uh, it, uh, it left a really big impact inside me that I feel so very blessed to be walking up every morning or whenever I have a chance to go inside the church to make small prayer, to light a candle over there. And beside that... Uh, since I grew up, you know, and being a little kid, going up to the manger square, seeing all these pilgrims who comes from all over the world to visit this one of these, one of the most holy spot in the world, which it is the birthplace of Jesus Christ. This makes me feel that I am more than lucky. And as I said, I am very blessed to be born in this city or in this little town of Bethlehem and to grow up over here. So basically, Father, it's something, it's a great uh, kind of feeling, which uh, um, I experienced in the beginning of my life. I didn't appreciate it. 
as much as when I grow up more and more and get older and understand it more and more and know how blessed I am to be born in Bethlehem and living in Bethlehem. And in all, but in general, also in the whole, in the whole Holy Land, in the whole country. Now, besides the Church of the Nativity, because you've grown up with it in your backyard, you're able to look out and see it. What's another mm-hmm. place in the Holy Land where pilgrims go that you look forward to going to yourself? Uh, every spot in the Holy Land, it has special meaning. Every place that where Jesus walked, lived, taught, started the ministry, including his ministry, a it has very special meaning. So I cannot say that I prefer this place from that place. But, and besides, as you said, other than the Church of Nativity is in, in the backyard and I can go anywhere, what, the most holy spot for me, you know, that I would love also to go there and uh, spend some spiritual time is by the tomb. Sure. By the tomb in the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. Because just remembering how I've been saved with this resurrection of the Lord, that gives me, you know, spiritually, make me, lift me up so high and make me, make my, you know, my faith getting stronger and stronger. Sure. I know for myself, I really love the Church of the Annunciation in Nazareth. And then I've also personally spent a lot of time in prayer at the Church of the Visitation. It's just been uh, a place, too, that I uh, found a, a close affinity towards. And I think partly it was because I was ordained a deacon. Before I was ordained a priest, I was ordained a deacon on the Feast of the Visitation. And so I think that's why Ein Karim has such a, a special importance to me. And when I was in the Holy Land for 10 weeks i actually spent an entire day there i took the i took the train system from jerusalem and i got there and i walked all the way there so really walked there like mary would have walked um to visit her cousin elizabeth and did the you know probably one and a half kilometer or two kilometer walk so that's a, a place uh-huh. of special uh-huh. importance for me now may- absolutely father absolutely and you know in nazareth as you said that the, as they say the word became flesh yes but for, for, for us, the flesh saw the light and came up to the world. It's in Bethlehem. Yes, so that's, that's right. why in, in my, my, my perspective, you know, I always consider Bethlehem as where the flesh saw the light and the word started coming to us physically, okay, through the body of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. That's why always, in my opinion, in my own perspective and not just because i lived here i born here bethlehem always has special place in my heart and especially over here in my neighborhood which is across the street from where i live we have uh, the church of saint charbel of lebanon yep and uh, this is one of the most peaceful places that i love to sit in front of the relics of saint charbel and make prayers over there and do pray well beautiful mm-hmm. Now, this is a show, I call it How They Love Mary, and really it's to introduce people to different ways that people love Mary or have a devotion to Mary, and we'll do that in a few moments with these little rapid-fire questions I always ask, but could you just share a little bit about your own devotion, your own relationship to Mary as mother of Jesus, but also your mother as well? She is exactly. She's the mother of Jesus, the mother of God. She's for us. 
is the mother of the world, actually. And uh, my personal devotion to the Blessed Mother, it's really, as I cannot express it by words enough. But, uh, you know, even when I spoke about it, you know, the tears run in my eyes. And uh, um, beside my own personal devotion to the Blessed Mother, I had something which it made it much more stronger. Uh, Father, I have one son, his name is Edmund, and uh, he's been diagnosed with autism about nine years ago, and we're still in program with him, you know, on treatment. Uh, but, and I think you know a little bit about autism, you know, maybe, and how's the autistic children and how uh, their life is. But uh, who strengthened even the relationship or my devotion to the Blessed Mother more is my son, Edmund. Because he has special bound with the Blessed Mother. That whenever I take him to the Church of Nativity and standing in front of the icon of the Blessed Mother, the icon, the, 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 the Virgin of Bethlehem, okay, uh, he always pushed me away and he carry a kind of conversation with her like he's talking to someone, not just praying, you know. He's speaking with someone in front of him. And I am pretty sure with the incident that it happened with my son in few times that she appeared to him. She oh, wow. came to him. Yes, because let me tell you this small story. Once we were sitting on the balcony, I was sitting inside home. I'm looking outside, he's laying on the balcony. And he started talking to someone in, in the sky up there. Telling him, come over here. Why are you why you're up there? Come and have come and have ice cream with me. The one who was eating ice cream. Do you want to have ice cream, or do you want to have coffee with daddy? I went out to Edmund. I told him, Edmund, whom you're talking to? He said, there she is. You cannot see her. There she is. I told him, who? Who's sweetheart? He said, there is the mother of Jesus, the Virgin Mary. There she is. She's standing up there. He was able to see her. Okay, and my tears were running out from my eyes. Then he looked at her. She said, he told her, okay, say hi to Jesus. Say hi to Jesus, to, the, to baby Jesus. Bye-bye. So basically, when, you know, through him, beside that in our culture, over here and the, our uh, religious culture, religious perspectives, our devotion to the Blessed Mother is more than any other place I ever seen in the world, Father. And so basically something like this, it really strengthened my uh, devotion to the Blessed Mother, to the Mother of God, more and more in a way that uh, always in our prayers, she's always been mentioned. We always pray for her. Well, so she can, you know, intercede for her son to forgive us and to give us the blessings through him, through her. And what a beautiful story you just shared about that experience. And I do believe that Mary does come to, to certain individuals. Of course, the church authenticates these through a process of evaluating, you know, kind of the more worldwide Marian apparitions where a message is given for the world. But I truly do believe that the Blessed Mother visits chosen souls and in a very personal way mm -hmm. touches their lives. And that's what Mary did for you and for your son and for your family. And that's made an mm -hmm. impression upon you. And so what a beautiful account and maybe someone listening has had that experience where they've maybe they have had some sort of mystical revelation with the blessed mother and and so your story Amen. really can help uh, individuals 
You know, one of the things, too, I realize as I write books, I write a book, I wrote a book called A Rosary Litany, which helps people to pray the rosary better uh, using uh, Mm -hmm. a form of inserting a phrase after the name of Jesus. And I've led the rosary, for example, on Facebook Live events and things like Mm -hmm. that. And, you know, there's always something about that, the wondering and thinking about you know, how blessed you are to be able to lead people in prayer, to have people pray with you, and to know that they are joining you in prayer. Now, as a souvenir shop owner, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking the same must be true for you in a different way, that here you are, you're producing, you're making uh, rosaries that people are going home and they're giving, and then people are thumbing those beads. You're making statues of Jesus and Mary Mm -hmm. and the saints, Mm -hmm. and people Mm -hmm. are taking them home and putting them in in places of prominence in their house. That must Mm -hmm. be a good feeling to know that you're providing this service uh, to all the people that come through your store and buy things. yeah, I guess. Well, can mm-hmm. you just share a little reflection about that? Well, Father, this is, uh, as I said in the beginning, you know, that uh, whoever come to the candle store, to the shop, and buy these rosaries, buy these statues, and any other products of the Holy Land, uh, it has, first of all, they, as we tell them, they are not just supporting the candle store itself as much as they're supporting the Christian community and the Christian families that they live and they depend in their livelihood and depend on their income and how to support and help their families through this industry, through whatever they uh, make and we distribute it and we sell these their products to the pilgrims who comes to visit the Holy Land and shop in the candle store so and from the other point we are so happy to be giving them part from our souls because when the carver he's doing the statue of jesus and or whenever that widow is doing this rosary and she is putting her soul and putting her faith and putting her heart there and we are doing the same thing we are putting our souls and hearts in these pieces so whenever the people they are taking it, they are taking peace of us with them also. So in this case, our souls will be met together in the prayers. Yeah, so it, beautiful. It, it, this, it, is, it means a lot to us. Other than it's economically and businessly, also spiritually, we are connected with each other then. That, that's this a is very, how we feel. That's a very beautiful thing that you just shared. And... I just had that experience. I saw someone on Twitter the other day. They tweeted. They said, I just made this rosary for my sister. She's going into a cloistered religious order, a religious convent. And this is the gift that I'm going to give her. And so I replied to the tweet and I said, what you should do is maybe you should pray a rosary using these beads you just made for her. So then you Mm -hmm. can tell her, I prayed a rosary for you on this and for your vocation, and now you're going to use these beads to pray as you enter into the convent. And it's kind of similar for you all, that as you make these rosaries, as you make these statues, you're praying mm-hmm. over them. You're pouring in, as you said, your heart and your Absolutely. soul. And and uh, really, there's that unity then uh, between buyer and maker, in a sense. Absolutely. Absolutely, Father. You're absolutely right. You know, those people, you know, the widows who make the rosaries or the carvers, they are pouring exactly their souls and their hearts and their faith in this statue that they're making or in that rosary. 
And we, as the people who are selling them, we do the same thing. When I hold the rosary and I show it to someone or hold the statue, in the time I explain about the statue, also I pray because I know that for that this, it means a lot to me. And as much as it will mean a lot to the one who's going to buy it from me. Definitely. Well, thank you so much today, uh, Shibley, for sharing about the Holy Land right now and just talking about your ministry of being a shop owner there and the spirituality, really, too, of being a shop owner. And before I let you go, one of the things that I always do is I just go through a series of questions about the Blessed Mother for an individual to respond. And so um, Mm -hmm. hopefully this helps to build what I call your Marian Profile. So the very first question is about the titles of Mary. Mary is mm-hmm. the mother of God. She has so many different titles. And mm-hmm. maybe there's one that you have a particular fondness that you often invoke in your own prayer. My mother. My mother. And that's a very yeah. personal relationship, a very personal dimension to that. Mm-hmm. As a shop owner, you pre- she's the mo- as I told you, As I told you, Father, she's the mother of the world. She's the mother of God. And she has a lot of titles. But, and, and all those titles are important to us and we believe in it. But sometimes it comes personal, you know, between you and uh, that particular saint or whoever. So I, I call her my mother. I call her my mother because she, she, she did a lot of things to me and for me. So she's, she's my mother. Beautiful. Yes, this is my favorite title. As a shop owner, you make rosaries, you sell rosaries, you sell medals, all of these different things. These are what we call sacramentals. Is there a Marian sacramental that you make use of, that maybe you wear, that you like to promote? Oh, yeah. I, it's promote. Well, we have a lot of things to promote it in the candle store and they be connected to, uh, to my mother or to the mother of God or to Virgin Mary. But uh, me personally, I have something which I never took it out of from my chain or from whatever I'm wearing since 50 years, which it is a medal of the Blessed Mother. When I born, my grandfather in a pin, he put it in the wrap, which my mom was wrapping me with, and it stayed there till this moment I am wearing it. And I'm not taking it off from my, from my neck, regardless whatever happens. So, uh, but in the shop, in the store, in the candle store, we have quite beautiful things, a lot of beautiful things, which they are all uh, devoted to the Blessed Mother that I cannot promote any specific one right now. Sure. But mostly the, the most two important icons, which or medals, we have them in both, is the uh, Lady of Bethlehem and the Lady of Jerusalem. Sure. The Holy Land is all about the Bible. It's all about the evangelists and their recounting of the stories of Jesus. And so there are some biblical passages that, of course, refer Mm -hmm. to the Blessed Mother. Is there any phrase or word that Mary speaks that's recorded in Scripture that means a lot to you? Of course. This is the the one that I I always, uh, it's carved deep in my mind and in my heart and in my soul. And I always, even I'm teaching it to my autistic son, which he know how to say the, this passage in, in Arabic and in Aramaic, because my mother tongue is the Aramaic language. So it's the, uh, from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 38. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according 
to the word. This is the most beautiful verse and passage that scripture passage for the Blessed Mother and a big huge lesson that never doubt. Never doubt whatever God is planning for you. Never question it. Just accept it. Accept it with full, convenient and strong faith because behind everything God is doing for us, even if we see it right now, it's bad and hard, but we know the best is going to come to us through this. So this verse exactly, uh, or whatever the Blessed Mother said then to the angel, Gab to angel Gabriel, uh, this give us a strong le lesson in not doubting anything God is sending to us and God is bringing us in our lives. Just accept it with a strong faith. As Catholics go on pilgrimage to the Holy Land, they often pray the rosary. Is there any tip or suggestion that you would give to someone praying the rosary that might help them pray it better? Oh, Mother of God, intercede for us at your Son and your Lord, who's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to lift from us this pandemic and, for, and this hardships that's going all over the world and save us and bring us out of it so we can always praise and glorify his name forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I don't know how much you follow Marian apparitions. Of course, you believe that your your son had this apparition of Our Lady. Now, there are lots of different apparitions, Lourdes, Fatima, Nock, Champion, Borang, Bono, all over. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you have any, do you know of a Marian apparition? Do you have a favorite Marian apparition, one that kind of has touched you in any way? Yes, uh, it's the apparition of the uh, Mary in, in Egypt. In Cairo. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. At uh, the Zaytun, which is the Zaytun, it means the olive, but it's the Zaytun neighborhood above the church over there. Because in that particular year, the persecution against the Coptic Christians was so very extremely high, which basically at then it was supported by the government, even themselves, which they were against the Christian existence over there. And uh, uh, at then, as I said, the persecution was so very strong and so very brutal against them. And uh, the appearance of the Blessed Mother over there after their prayers for her, okay, to save them, to help them. She appeared over there and she, her appearance made a big, huge miracle in changing a lot in their circumstances and the situation and being saved from this brutal persecution. So this is one of my favorite uh, appearance for uh, the Mother of God. Beautiful. And lastly, and this will be a unique question because, of course, you live in a different mm -hmm. country than I do, than most of the listeners do, but mm -hmm. there are lots of songs to the Blessed Mother. And when you go to church, Ooh! when you go to oh, church very. for a <laughs> feast day, like the Immaculate mm -hmm. Conception or the Assumption or Mission mm -hmm. of Mary for for all these mm -hmm. Marian feast days, you know, it, in the United States, someone said, you know, the most common f songs that people know are Hail Holy Queen and Immaculate Mary. But for you as a person going to church, is there a Marian song that you hope to hear, that you hope to have sung at Mass? Well, 
First of all, Father, uh, you know, the country over here are split among two major denominations, Catholics and Orthodox. So today, actually, the whole country, even the Catholics, even we celebrated, but still celebrating it is the day of the, the Feast of the Assumption for the Blessed Mother. So today, usually, but unfortunately, this year couldn't happen because of the restrictions and the rules, that every, in the early morning, the people will start walking from all over the Holy Land to reach the Church of the Assumption, which it is uh, beside the Church of Gethsemane, over there, to uh, pray over there in that church. Uh, but unfortunately, as I said, because of the situation and the pandemic uh, and the rules, like Easter, like other holidays, mm, it been these processions being all of it being cancelled. As you said, Father, there are a lot of prayers and a lot of songs for the Blessed Mother. And do you want me to sing one for you? <laughs> Is this what you want me to do? Uh, you could you could sing a little refrain if you want. Otherwise, just give a title, and I can look it up on YouTube. Okay, it's called Ya Maryam Ya Um Allah. It's you marry the mother of God. It's uh, been sing by a singer called Wadiya Safi. He's from Lebanon. And it's one of the most beautiful songs, which it says, Ya Maryam, Ya Umm Allah, Ibnik bil tijalla. Ya Maryam, Ya Umm Allah, Ibnik bil tijalla. Umm al-Fadi, Umm al-Kawn, Umm al-Maskuni killa. Umm al-Fadi, Umm al-Kawn, Umm al-Maskuni killa. Wow, that was great. It's called... You could go a tour. The Mother of God, a, um, your son being transfigured for us. Keep us in your prayers because you're the Mother of God, you're the Mother of this world, and you're the Mother of this planet. Well, beautiful. Well, Shibley, it's been a great joy to reconnect with you after my own pilgrimage to the Holy Land last October. Uh, unfortunately, to talk about the the decrease of pilgrimages right now because of the COVID-19, but just to hear from someone in the Holy Land and what it's like being a Christian there at this moment in this time of history. So I thank you so much for talking with me today. Well, thank you very much, Father, for, for this opportunity. Uh, we're sending from here all our love, greetings, and prayers for, our, for all our brothers and sisters all over the world, specifically in the United States. And we do hope and pray that this pandemic will be finished soon so we will be able to see each other in the streets of the Holy Land. And I'm looking so forward, Father, to see you again in another pilgrimage with Select International Tours and to support also the ministry of Select to Give Foundation. Thank you very much, Father. And please, we seek your blessings and your prayers always. Yes, thank you, Shibley. We'll keep you in prayer as you keep us in prayer. So God bless Definitely you and not. everyone thank in the you, Holy Father. Land and all who work for you. You've been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope that this podcast has either been the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me, Father Edward Looney, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at FR Edward Looney. If you like this podcast, please rate it and review it on whatever platform you listen. It's available on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, and on Spotify, or wherever you might listen. Until next week, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.